thank you for listening to this Calvary Aurora Bible study with Pastor Ed Taylor. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we, are, we just finished, you know, for the last three weeks, a study series entitled, What is Calvary? If you missed it, please listen to it. It's on the app. It's on our website. And we did three studies, 15 biblical principles that we follow here at Calvary to, to define our ministry and why we do what we do and even how we do what we do. Uh, and I believe it was very fruitful. And God did great things, including saving people with the gospel. Uh, and it's powerful to know that there's a purpose and a direction for our church with all that's swirling around us and all that's happening. Listen, the Lord is not confused. The Lord is not worried. The Lord is not concerned, if you will, what's going to happen to the church. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And that's what we want to be a part of. And so I shared that for the last three weeks. We have one more week now in May. And because we have been emphasizing our community groups, our life groups in our church, I wanted to share with you, at the suggestion of Pastor Aaron, I wanted to share with you a Bible study on fellowship and community, which is the gift that God has given to us as believers to be a part of community and share our lives together in the body of Christ. So notice with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where the Bible says they continued steadfastly, speaking of the church, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is Acts 2.43 now. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And, I love this, it's one of the emphases today, emphases today, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And notice what happened. The Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. The early church was a powerful, had a powerful effect on the world in which it lived. There was the dynamic power of God moving through the, in, in a dramatic way through believers just like you and me. So much so that by the time we get to Acts chapter 17, when a group of believers came to the city known as Thessalonica, today it's modern day Thessaloniki, they came to Thessalonica, one of the, the rulers of the city, one of the opinions they had of the church is, let me read it to you, it's Acts 17 verse 6. It says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That's how the church was seen. They're turning the world upside down. They're disrupting our lives. They're, they're, they're sharing things that are transforming lives. And cities are being changed as a result. How is it? that the church became so strong? How is it that the church became so powerful in its effect, in the dramatic effect of, of the church on the world today? Well, we come back to Acts chapter 2, and whether it's today or then, this is the key. I mean, we could also teach, I, I titled this study, Fellowship and Community in His Church, but we could also title this message, The Secret to Spiritual Power. And it's really not a secret because it's right here in the scriptures. 
the church made a decision to notice in verse 42, continue steadfastly. Or you could write next to that word, without quitting. They just pressed on in four things. Number one, they continued in the apostles' doctrine, which today would be for us Bible study. The apostles' doctrine came from the Torah, from the Old Testament, the the law and the prophets. So they studied the scriptures that they had available to them at the time in light of the Messiah who shed light on them. Jesus had come, so they're studying the scriptures all day, every day. They were in the Word of God. Then, notice, in fellowship and in the breaking of bread, which I believe is a reference both to communion, but also sharing meals together. And it's, I think there's both. And then also they prayed together, constantly, continually, never quitting. And the emphasis, now I've done this Bible, I've done this, I've taken this text and taught a series of Bible studies on it. You can find them on the web. I think I use the word well, W-E-L-L, to look at four ingredients of a strong church, a worshiping church, an evangelizing church, or equipping church, a learning church, and a loving church, I think is the, the way I use that. And I looked at them, we took a week each and looked at each of them. But today I just want to, I want to focus on the word fellowship. If you, if you like to write in your Bibles, circle the word fellowship, and I'm going to teach you a new word for some of you today that you might have heard around the church a lot. We use it a lot, but you may not even know where it comes from. Today, I want to introduce it to you. The word fellowship, right? Write a, write a circle it, write an arrow, and then write this word down. It's the Greek word koinonia. I'll spell it for you. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia. And that word literally means, as it's translated here, fellowship. But it has a much deeper meaning than just the word fellowship. Koinonia literally means to share in common, to share. And it has the idea of words like partnership. When you're partnering with someone, you're, you're having koinonia with them. It also has the idea of the word communion. In a very real way, you were in koinonia fellowship with other believers in your church today as we all took communion together in the same room, some at the same time, but really, in the general time, we all shared the same meal. We shared together. Even if we don't know our neighbor, we shared in communion together. We had koinonia. Another word to think of when it comes to koinonia is the word generosity. Because actually giving unto God, the faithfulness of giving unto God, is spoken of as koinonia. As you're sharing with others what God has given to you. And you can have fellowship with God And you also share in fellowship with one another. It's a beautiful word. The idea here is that the church was receiving the word and they wanted to naturally share it with others. They were sharing with each other in the Lord. Here's the problem. The problem is this for us today. We have mistaken fellowship and misinterpreted fellowship and and misinterpreted identified the word fellowship and we've just we we have made it something that it isn't we think and some of you might even associate fellowship with hanging out hanging out we're going to fellowship so we're just going to hang out and hang out and just spend some time together grab a coffee and get some donuts and we'll sit around and we'll talk about things well you know ed we're christians so anytime christians get together of course there's going to be fellowship You know, we're not out partying. We're not out doing crazy things. I mean, we're not really talking about the Lord either, but we're not doing crazy things and we're together. And if you get together with other believers, let me just say, it may or may not be true fellowship. 
you have a better chance of having real fellowship when you're hanging out with believers. That's the only chance you have with fellowship. But just because you're hanging out with other believers doesn't mean you're in fellowship together. People can get together and rally around common causes. People can get together and rally and, and, and share life together because of hobbies and because you have general likes. You know, you can grab a coffee and talk about quilting, and you can ha- grab a coffee and, and you can talk about cars. You can grab a coffee and talk about, you know, needlepoint, and you can grab a coffee and even talk about the Broncos if you want to. I don't know why, but you can if you want to. You can have two believers talking about the Broncos over a cup of coffee, and that's not fellowship. That's not fellowship. It's great to talk about Broncos, I guess, if you want to. But true Christian fellowship is rooted in and centered around Jesus Christ and Him alone. And until Jesus becomes the topic of your conversation, you aren't experiencing fellowship. You might be experiencing friendship, and you might be experiencing, you know, a great cup of coffee, but it becomes koinonia when the Lord is in the midst. Because Christian fellowship is so much more. When we come together to talk about the things of God, it is a wonderful thing. Did you know that it's so wonderful that God, He listens in and is enjoying our conversation about the Lord? Did you know that? Jot this down. This is a cool scripture I found that the first time I found it, it just blew my mind. It's so amazing. Listen to this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. This is so amazing. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. When you are in fellowship with another believer, God listens, he hears, and he takes note of it. It's awesome. It's so wonderful. Now, don't misunderstand me as we talk about Christian fellowship here, I'm not opposed to a good cup of coffee and I'm not opposed about talking hobbies and all types of things. And I'm not even necessarily opposed to talking about the Broncos. As a matter of fact, I made a very serious decision years ago to know as much about the Broncos as I possibly can. And so I pay a lot of attention. I read the, I mean, don't quiz me. So don't, I'm, so don't double misunderstand me. Like, well, okay, yeah, I'm a quiz. No, I don't know that much. Neither do I want to know. I don't want to know that much. But, but, but when I moved to Colorado and I learned that, that high on the list of people that live here is following this football team, it really, it really impressed upon me to know as much as I possibly could about this particular football team because that's going to be the bridge that I build with somebody to share the gospel with them. So I want to know. I want to know who won. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like opposed to the Broncos. If you're a Bronco listening in right now, I'm not opposed to you, bro. I love you. I love you. And, and if you're here today, I mean, I would even, I would even, if I have to, I will even. Like if, if, if you have tickets for Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, oh, okay, I'll go. I'll go. If you give them to me, I'll go. And even enjoy myself, as I have before. (laughs) But if I need to learn something that will build a bridge in your life, I'll do it. I'll do it for the sake of the gospel. I'll sit down, have a cup of coffee, and we can talk about the Broncos as long as you want. 
Because if I can give you just a little bit of a, of a, a if I could just show you that I do care about you, that I, I care so much about you that I'll learn about what, make, what you like. I'll learn about it and I'll talk to you about it. And I'll learn from you about it. And you give me just a little bit of respect. And the next time we sit down, uh, we talk about something, you give me a little bit of respect and trust. And then at just the right time, the Lord says, okay, Ed, now it's time. And through that trust and respect, I'm able to tell you about the love of God. I'm able to say, hey, you know, hey, we got Broncos won. I got a touchdown. And I say, you know what? Let me tell you about touchdowns. God, he throws the best touchdown. Whatever. I don't know how I do it, but you can turn anything around uh, to, to share the gospel. But just because we're talking about football or we're talking about baseball and we're believers doesn't mean we're in fellowship. It's much more than that. It's much more than that. And if you just leave it at that plane and that level, then you're missing out on all that the Lord really has for you. Truly, what I found to be true is that the very things that God told us not to worry about seem to be the only things that we talk about. Food, clothing, the things of this world. And while that's a good bridge builder, for us as believers, we only truly benefit when we share in fellowship with one another in what we're doing. So you can ask people like, questions like, what's the Lord doing in your life? That's a great question to ask. And they might say, I have no idea. Well, then let's sit down and talk about your week and let's see if we can find God in your life. You can ask people a question, how can I pray for you? I'm telling you that 99% of the people I've asked that question to will give me something to pray. They will share a little bit of their life with me. And, and they will give me the opportunity to enter and they'll trust me enough to share that piece of life with me so that I can take them to the throne room of God. And you can start fellowship talking about the things of the Lord right then and there. Because as you're praying for them, the Lord might even give you an answer to begin to share with them. Fellowship is in the Lord. And God wants you to enjoy. He's brought you to a church family so that you might enjoy real meaningful fellowship, real meaningful koinonia. That's why we've been emphasizing, as we have just lately, these smaller groups that we have in homes. As we see the early church went from house to house. That's why in the facility here, we have smaller groups that meet, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, different prayer meetings. Why? So you can connect with people and share the life of Jesus together. Why? So you might be strengthened and built up so you can take the Word of God into the world and flip this world upside down with your life one person at a time like if church if if church is all you do in life you're missing out you're here for an hour and a half and, and and here you are I mean let me let me just say some of you I realize don't want to be here you don't want to be here I get that I've sat in I've sat in church services before where I didn't want to be here and some of you aren't even paying attention you know, you got your phone out and you're playing Angry Birds. I see you, you know that. You're just like, you're not listening to a Bible study doing this. You know, I, I get it, man. You know, you're Angry Birds or I don't even know what the newest game is, but Angry Birds gets the point across. Some of you are tired. You see, you know, people have asked me as a pastor, Ed, do you get upset people fall asleep when you're teaching? No, I don't get upset. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you worked all night. I don't get upset. As a matter of fact, fall asleep because we do, we mess with you while you're asleep. So go ahead. <laughs> I remember when I was in school and I fell asleep, I'd wake up with all these chalk marks on me because the teacher would come with the chalkboard uh, erasers and, hit, and she would purposely, I'm like, what are you doing that for? Don't fall asleep in my class. I'm tired. 
It's okay if you're tired. It's okay if you're here and you're not paying attention. I realize here, you know, now you, it's about lunchtime and in your mind right now is a, what, kind, what are you going to order at Chipotle? You know, what's it going to look like? And so you got this burrito swirling in your head and not paying attention to me. What you're doing today, just being here, setting God before your eyes, no matter what's going on in your life, pleases God. You are pleasing God today. And those of you that might be distracted, that's okay. I, I recognize. I mean, I'm not approving of it. Don't misunderstand me. Yeah, go ahead and play Angry Birds. Like, I'm not approving of it. If you were my son or my daughter, I'd tell you, no, focus on the Lord. And, and I do see you as sons and daughters uh, unto the Lord. Like, man, focus on the Lord. But if you're not, that's all right. Because God will have his way with you. You might think today, you go, I got it over God, you know. I can be in church and I can fake it. And I can play games and I can text my friend. I can do email and I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you think you have it over on God, but I'm here to tell you God has it over on you. Why? Because of this. When God's word goes out and anyone hears it, even if you hear it while you're sleeping or you hear it while you're trying to ignore me or you're here, if you hear the word of God, then the Bible promises it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent and it won't return to God empty. And so it's a good thing that you're here. It's a good thing that you've set your heart. You may not be where you want to be, but you're on the way. So God bless you. God bless you for turning your heart toward God today. God, may God bless you for wanting to hear the word of God or at least being within earshot of a pastor, a preacher, telling you about the love of God. Good, good. And it's okay if you've got all these mixed motives. God will sort it out. But I'll tell you this, you don't have anything on God. God has it on you. Why? Because he loves you. Why would he tell you something you need to hear? Because he loves you. Why would he reveal to you something that you need to change in your life? Because he loves you. Why would he reveal to you how to be that husband, how to be that wife, how to be that son, that daughter, how to be that single? Why would he reveal to us koinonia is important, that we shouldn't just be talking about the things of this world. We shouldn't be worried about what we're eating. We shouldn't be worried about what we're, what we're wearing. We should be concerned about the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God on earth, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will fall into place. Why would he say that? Why would he have a pastor tell you that today? Why would he remind you that koinonia is so much bigger? Because he loves you and he wants you to enjoy him and be used of God in other people's lives. Let me give you three things about fellowship as we wind down today that I want you to grasp. Very simple, very easy, but important. Number one, fellowship is, fellowship is protective. Koinonia protects you and me. God created koinonia. He created us to share life. See, the phrase we would use today, the big phrase that describes koinonia today is sharing life together. And that's what we should be doing. It's a great way of putting it. Koinonia is sharing life together. And within the context of the Lord, it's sharing life in Jesus. Why, do you, why should you forgive your husband? Because God loves you. And he wants you to share that life with your husband and with your wife. Why would God want you to, why, why would God put you in the situation that you're in, in the workplace, so you can share life with others? And, and you say, well, wait a minute, man, I'm working with all these unbelievers. Well, koinonia then becomes this. I'm fellowshipping with God. And through that relationship, I'm sharing the love of God with people at work. That's exactly what it is. God wants you to enjoy that. He wants our world to be turned upside down. He wants somebody knowing when you come into office, they go, oh, there he is again. He's going to turn this whole office upside down with all this Jesus stuff. And you, stand, you get up on your desk, and this is the one time you have permission, stand on your desk and say, you're right, and then get back down. 
because I love you. I'm bringing Jesus here. Now, don't try that because if you get fired, I'm not, I'm not responsible. <laughs> Fellowship will keep us from burnout. It protects us from backsliding because you got people in your life checking in on you and saying, hey, how you doing? How's your, life? How's your walk? How's that struggle? Why you keep doing this? You have people in your life helping you when times get tough, asking you tough questions. It protects us. Secondly, fellowship is possible. This is an important one for our church because we're a large church, a growing church. There aren't less people coming to Calvary now. There are far more people than ever before. We're, we're a growing church, and you might think, well, you know, I don't know, it's such a big church, and we hear that from time to time. It's such a big church, Pastor. It's so big, it's so big, it's intimidating, and I, I get a little bit of that. And you go, I don't know, I don't know if I ever meet anyone. You know, I, I, I just, and, and the attitude on fellowship is, you know, I can't fellowship, the church is too big. It's not true. Because you can't be in fellowship with everyone. Because you think, I can't be in fellowship with everyone, the church is too big. You're right. You can't be in fellowship with everyone. This is true for a church of thousands, and it's true for a church of 50. Even if you were in a church of 50 people, you would not be able to be in true koinonia fellowship with everyone. As a matter of fact, people study this kind of stuff, relational aspects, and and they study this stuff, and the, the statistics that have come back is that in a lifetime, on average, in a lifetime, a person lives to 70, 80 years old, by the end of their life, they have about seven meaningful relationships their entire life and some less that they have seven meaningful true life-changing altering what we would call in the bible koinonia fellowship type of relationships seven and so while 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 fellowship isn't possible with everyone fellowship is necessary with someone with someone years ago we were renting a facility from another church and they were gracious enough to let us use the facility, and we paid them rent. We had our midweek Bible study there. And I remember one time walking through the hallway with one of the sisters. Uh, up on the wall there was all of the name tags for that church. Everybody had a name tag, and they would put it on for Sunday. And the sister said, well, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, when are we going to get name tags? We want name tags. And I said, never. Never. We're never going to have name tags. Because, and you go, well, why, why not? I want name tags. I want, I, that'd be nice. I could walk up and tell somebody, how you doing, Joe? And then Joe says, you know my name. And I said, yeah, it's on your chest. <laughs> Joe, Mary. But let me tell you why. It's a spiritual reason. I don't want to disciple you to look at people's name tags. I want to train you to look into people's eyes. Because that's where connection's made. I want to train you to look. Because if you want to know somebody's name, I'm going to help help you with that. This is how you find out. Hi, my name is Ed. What's your name? You guys want to jot that down? You ask them their name, almost everyone will give you their name. And then I have a few tricks in my my Bible and stuff where I try, try to help remember names. But, you know, you say a name enough, you'll remember it. You'll get to know them. You take them out for a coffee and talk about the things of the Lord. You'll learn their name. You'll learn their life. I want you to look in the eyes of someone, though, because in the eyes you might see a hurting person. And what's more important than knowing their name is just laying their hand on their shoulder and praying for them. You'll get their name later. Right now the Lord wants to comfort them. 
I want you to look into someone's eyes here in this church or in people's lives in the world. I want you to look them in the eye because when you look someone in the eye, you respect them as a human being. You express a love of God, whether you realize it or not, the love of God, that God respects them as His own creation, and He loves them. When you look at someone in the eye, it's easy. It's easier to connect on a deeper level than just shallow conversation. When you look someone in the eye and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not only will you see sad, but you'll see happy. Maybe you're the sad one. And when you look someone in the eye, they're happy, and automatically you go, you know, I don't want to rejoice with them. I want to be happy. What are you happy about? You look so happy today. Like one brother, I looked at him today and said, you look tired. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm always tired. Okay, we're tired together. We're always tired. Why? We're serving the Lord. But when you look someone in the eye, you'll get their name. You'll get their name soon enough. But go around. You see, you might be, you might be in a place where, you know, you've got all these excuses why you, you know, because from time to time you might even be here. Ed, I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've been here forever, and I can't make any meaningful relationships. So I've got two things to share with a person like that. Here or knowing the studies going around the country, whatever church you're in, it's true across the board. Number one, keep trying because there's somebody that the Lord is going to match you with that's perfect to share life together in some level around the world. So just keep trying. But secondly, I mean, really, if you've been around so many years and you haven't had any meaningful koinonia with someone, secondly, this is going to be a little bit harder, but hear me out. You really need to go to the Lord and ask him what's going on in your life. Ask him, Lord, is it me? And when I go into a conversation, is it always about me? When I'm trying to connect with someone, am I, am I someone that's always demanding? Am I someone that's always, you know, just start asking those questions. Because what's happened in the church is, and, and this consumer mentality we live in, what happens in the church is somebody darkens the door of our church and says, what can you do for me? And I'll answer that question for you. Nothing. We can do nothing for you. We just point you to Jesus Christ and he can do everything for you. But if you walk in the doors here, what can you do for me? We will not meet your expectations. No no church will. But if you walk in the doors of this church and say, what can I do for the Lord? That's the rest of your life. Who is not, who didn't say hi to me today? You know, you're like, I can't believe I was in that church and nobody, they even said to greet, nobody said hi to me. Okay. Who did you say hi to exactly? Nobody. Oh, so you were really upset testing everybody if they would say hi to you and so you were so closed off and upset now you're upset and you, leave, you came in upset you leave upset and that's kind of your life you're always I don't know what it is I don't know what it is but I could tell you this I visited a lot of churches I've been, a, I've been able to visit churches in even places where I don't even know the language and when I walk up with somebody and I look them in the eye and I give them a hug or I ask them how they're doing there is not a lack of people to share in koinonia love with. Not a lack of people. Even though I don't even know the language, I can give them the language of hug. Or I learned the language of kissing in Egypt, man. Those men, men love to kiss there. They go boom, 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 boom. I'm like, whoa. God bless you too, bro. <laughs> yes, a handshake. And they're like, no way. There is not a lack of people that need Jesus Christ in our lives. Fellowship is possible. I don't care if you're in this church or that church. Reach out and serve someone. Give yourself. The Bible says that we're to think of others more highly than ourselves. That's the beginning of koinonia. When you've got somebody saying, I love you, and another person, well, I love you, boom, there's an instant connection in the Lord. 
But when you have somebody going, oh, well, what are you going to do for me? And what is it? Man, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. The church of Jesus Christ, we can have fellowship with someone if we want to. This is what the Bible says at Pro- Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's where it starts. Thirdly, fellowship is built through prayer. That's the final P word. Protective, possible, prayer. Yes, it's its own issue. It's its own point. In Acts chapter 2, they they continue steadfastly in prayer. But prayer builds fellowship. Remember, we're to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's our vertical relationship with God. And it could be that because your vertical relationship with God is broken, you're not able to share in fellowship with others. But once that's taken care of, then God begins to build the horizontal. And you'll be able, like the person that serves with the love of Jesus has more friends than they can count. More friends than they can count. When you're reaching out to people, asking them how they're doing, I mean, I've seen this happen time and time again. When I'm called to do a hospital visit here at the church and visit somebody from the fellowship, and I go in and I pray with them and spend some time in the room, there'll be times where the Lord says, I just want you to hang around the hospital and walk around and talk to people. And, and I mean, the first time he told me to do that, I didn't really want to do it. Like, I was, it was kind of um, hard. But the more I do it, the better it is. And I mean, I literally, there was a time where God said, I want you to knock on that door right there and, and see if they'll let you in. So I did. And I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Ed. Who are you? I'm Ed. I'm a pastor. And, and I'd just like to come in and talk with you. What was the answer on the other side of the door? Come in. One of the most vulnerable times in their life, they invited a complete stranger into their room. Why? Well, I found out that I said, you know, I'm a pastor. I know this is not, this is not something that normally happens, but I'm in here. I'm visiting someone from my church. I just felt God wanted me to come talk to you. And they said, good, because I haven't had any visitors for two weeks. I'm telling you, the whole world is waiting for the love of God. Who's going to give it to them? If all we're into ourselves and all we're into is us, and what have you done for me? Listen, Jesus has done everything for you, so serve him with your life. The whole world's waiting. And what are we doing? What are we doing? Complaining, murmuring, whatever. Stuck on our phones and Facebook, wasting our lives when the whole world needs Jesus. Koinonia, they turn the world upside down. And the more and more as I am getting closer and closer to my entrance and invitation to the primetime saints. <laughs> and you guys that are laughing, what are you laughing at? You know, you're coming with me, man. <clears throat> We're going to triple the size of that group. <laughs> as the years tick off in my life and I realize and recognize and meditate upon the frailty of life and how fast it'll go. Your whole life can change with a text message and a phone call. And someone that you love will go from this world into the next instantly. And I recognize God's call upon my life and he, how he saved me and changed my life forever. How he rescued me from myself and set me on a solid rock. I want to be able to say when I stand before the Lord, and I want to take as many of you with me as I can that you too can do this, to be able to stay, st- stand before the Lord and say that in my life, in some small way, the world was turned upside down by God's power in my life and yours. That Aurora is different because of this church and that church and the one around the corner, those holding to true sound doctrine, 
not the way, because I'm concerned as a, as a pastor, I'm a concern as a friend. Just if I was just, didn't have any role in the church, I was just a believer, you know, because I am just a believer. I'm concerned that the world is not being touched by the church anymore, that we're not turning the world upside down. As a matter of fact, I see quite the opposite, unfortunately. In the circles I live in, in the places I go, the people I talk to, it sounds to me and it looks like to me that the world is flipping the church upside down. We just become places of entertainment. We become places of rock shows. We become places where the Bible is not even needed or wanted or encouraged anymore. Or it's not even used. There are churches today, imagine this. There are churches today that uh, somebody, I won't even call them a pastor, but they're standing up on the stage and, and they ask everyone, take this book out. And they didn't, even ask, they didn't say, take your Bibles out. It was some popular book or something. Take this book out and we're going to study this today. No, no. You know, there are churches that turn the world upside down through great awakening and revivals that today their founders would be shocked at what's happening in there. To be shocked. You know, the world, you know, the world... The world has it all the opposite because the world thinks this, and some of you young people need to understand this. The world system that you're in right now, they they think everything is just the way it needs to be. All the junk and all the garbage, all the broken relationships, all the sexual sin, all the pornography, all the hurting of children, all the dads abandoning their family and the divorce. The world says, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. That's normal. That's regular. And... The world teaches kids at a young age, you're just, you're just an evolved person. You came from primordial ooze. You have no accountability to God. There's no God. Why well, we put that notion in your mind? We are the gods. We are the ones this world says. And so what happens to our kids? They, they think that they're accidents and they're not wanted. And they live that way. They don't think of God who created them and loves them. They don't respond in love. Our world teaches today that it's only my life that matters and a few animals, a few selected endangered species. They are important. Only, only my life, not necessarily everyone's life, but only my life. That's what they teach. They, they, this, this phrase, we, we grew up, I don't know how young you were, but I was super young when I remember this. I, and I lived this way. Even from as a kid, I lived this way. The only people that are important in life are me, myself, and I. And I'll do anything I need to do to protect those three. That's what our kids are growing up with. I was at a conference, as I shared recently, on the East Coast. And one of the pastors, I, I need to look it up or you know, text them for the, for the facts, but here's what he shared. This is our world. 50% of kindergartners today, 50%, 5-0, carry smartphones in their pockets, paid for by their parents. 50%. Out of the 50% with smartphones in their pockets, I believe he said, and I need to clarify, but it was shocking enough if I'm wrong on the numbers. 25% of those kids carrying smartphones at five and six years old have already been exposed to pornography on the phone that's in their six-year-old pocket. What's that generation going to grow up to be like? What's that doing to their little minds in their formative years with all the things that are laying? Well, I'll tell you what it's doing. It's doing the same thing it's done to your mind. You guys that think you're getting away with pornography, you gals, it's destroying you from the inside. It's giving you a distorted view of your husband or your wife. 
It is causing you to be far away from God to heap guilt, loads of guilt and shame upon yourself because you've taken something that's sacred and you've defiled it, and by defiling it, you're defiling yourself. Now, you're adults listening to me. Can you imagine a five-year-old having to deal with that? Six-year-old? This world is, is messed up in more than one way, and those attitudes have crept into the church Sometimes the doors have been wide open and they've run into the church. This world teaching us that me first. What happens when it's just my life and a few animals? Well, uh, that culture, that society, that world, they kill babies in the womb by the thousands. They kill babies. Blood on our hands as a country around the world. The world is discarding the value of importance of marriage replacing it with anything goes. And what's that doing? It's destroying lives and it's destroying kids. God's perspective is far different. He sees this world is upside down and he's sent the church into the world to turn the world right side up, one life at a time. When I came in, I had a lot on my mind today, yesterday. So I came into the office and I took the long way. And when I take the long way, I just drive through neighborhoods and of you, just kind of driving, taking this turn, and, and it just really struck me today, just thinking of everyone in every house. There's, that probably even passed by your house, and I prayed, if I did, I prayed for you, because I thought of this house, and what family lives in this house, and what kids are in this house, and, and I thought of this house, and I thought, man, Lord, it's, it's amazing what you want to do in all these houses, how you want to change lives. It's amazing you know, and so as I was driving through, I, I passed a lot of churches too in our city. So I started praying for them because I know some of the pastors. I started praying for them. I started praying that God would use them. I started praying that they would grow. I started praying that they'd have no more space and they'd have to do multiple services, that they would just reach your neighbor. Because wouldn't it be good if God reached your neighbor? It would be good. Because your family would change. Your neighborhood would change. And one by one by one by one by one, just like you. As we said earlier, you were somebody's neighbor when you got saved. And God is doing a work in your life. Koinonia is very important. It's more than just going to some small group or something, although we're encouraging you to do that. It is sharing life with people, investing in their lives. It is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and obeying Him when He tells you to call or text or reach out. It, it is the work of God in your life to reach a lost and dying world first fellowship with God. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. First John chapter one. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with others. And I found this quote. And I've used it before. It's been said and I quote, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for the righteous to remain silent. And I would say, I would put it this way. All that's necessary for our world to stay upside down is for Christians to sit on their hands and live for this world. You'll never enjoy true fellowship and koinonia if this world is all that you're into. Because this world is going to pass away. You're going to leave it all behind, guys. There's nothing that you have right now that you're taking with you. There's only two things the Bible really says that are eternal. The Word of God and the souls of men. And that's where our time and attention should be spent in sharing rich, generous fellowship with one another. So God, as we turn our attention towards you and we are challenged and stirred both here and out on the radio, out on the internet, forgive us for substituting fellowship, for hanging out. I mean, it starts there, 
but it's got to get to you, Lord. We're not going to fellowship gossiping about people. We're not going to experience fellowship tearing a brother down. We're not going to experience fellowship, you know, posting something on Facebook that we're critical of or complaining about. I was thinking, Lord, though, church has its critics, but there is no rival to your church. You created the church, you invented the church, and you have brought us to the church in order for us to share life together for the sake of the lost. And so, God, please, use us, make us usable, Bring us to a place where we would submit to you, surrender to you, and open ourselves to even a broader, bigger way of being used by you in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll sing this last song together, and we'll be back on Wednesday, Lord willing, studying some deep doctrines. We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.